I want you, if you would, to turn over to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 9 for a moment. And I just want to read our series scripture to you again. Hallelujah. We're triumphing no matter what we see, church. You're triumphing over this situation, glory to God. The Bible says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We are triumphing no matter what. How many know that this didn't take God by surprise? Let me ask you again that again. It didn't take God by surprise, did it, church? And he is leading you in triumph despite any kind of a challenge or setback or difficulty. Now, what I want you to understand is the Lord is interested in you triumphing over something that is a big stronghold in many lives, including Christians' lives, and that is dealing with their own past. God would have you triumph over your past. There's a scripture here in chapter 9 about a man named Mephibosheth, and I won't be spending a lot of time on him. And everybody say that with me right now, Mephibosheth. <laughs> One more time, everybody say Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is in the house, hallelujah. And this was a descendant of King Saul, a descendant of Jonathan, who was a covenant partner with David. And the sin of the household of Saul destroyed that household, destroyed that palace, destroyed everything about them, uh, their future. And there's one lone remnant that David wanted to show covenant kindness to. And he asked about that. And they pointed out there's a man of the line of Saul. And he's living in a place called Lodabar. Now pick this up with me at verse 1. David asked, is there someone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they called him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? Your servant, he replied. The king asked, is there no one left? of the house of Saul, to whom I can show God's kindness. And he answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Mekir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. Uh, the king gave, uh, had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Mekir. And when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. How you know this is a wonderful story of covenant kindness? And you know that's exactly what God did for you and for me. He brought us to the king's table. But I want you to watch this very next line in Scripture. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? It didn't matter that David had now restored the fortunes and all the land. And listen to me, the land holdings of Saul were very plenteous. It didn't matter all these things were coming back to him. In his own eyes, based on his own past and the family's past failures, he was nothing more than a dead dog. Do you know that the Lord can do the same thing in your life? Forgive you of all your sin. Put you on the right path. Surround you with good things. Bless you from his heart. And you can still walk around like a dead dog because you're referencing your past over what God is wanting to do in the future or even in the present. God can bless you profusely, but in your mind and emotions, you're nothing more than a dead dog just like Mephibosheth. 
Many Christians are forgiven and on their way to heaven, but on earth they live in an emotional and psychological Lodabar. Spiritually, you're at his table, but mentally and emotionally, you're still back in Lodabar, which means a barren or pastureless land. That's not where God wants you and me to dwell. Not spiritually, not physically, not emotionally, and not mentally. But a lot of believers live there. They dwell there. You know, as God told Abraham to leave and go to a land, I'll show you. God is calling you to leave your mental and emotional Lodabar. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's time to leave your Lodabar. It's time to move to land of the new where you will find a new power, a new peace, a new prosperity in him. It's not enough that spiritually you're at his table. He wants you to join him mentally and emotionally. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, we won't know for sure what's in you unless you were to share it. But a lot of people hide this private pain. Deep down in their hearts, they still think the same way about themselves. They still see themselves differently than the way that God sees them. One area that you and I, we all need victory in is triumph in the area of our past. Too many can enjoy what God wants to do and has done because mentally and emotionally, they're still living out there in Lodabar. They're trapped just like Mephibosheth. Turn to somebody and tell them, you need to lose the old dog mentality. Tell them, lose the dead dog mentality. You know, I really enjoy having people confess with me, glory to God. You can, you can ask somebody to say something when the building's empty, and it's kind of like crickets. Well, there's Kevin up there, always. Yes. But other than that, it's just a hollow echo. So let me try this one again. Tell somebody, you're not a dead dog. Come out of Lodabar. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, I remember watching uh, Magnificent Seven, the version with Denzel Washington, and they're going to do some justice uh, for townspeople who've been robbed and beaten up and murdered by this rich guy from Sacramento. And, and you know, he rides in there, of course, and his good friend is... Good night, Robe Show. He's a sharpshooter in the Confederate Army. And he looked at him wondering if this is really what he should be doing. And he told him these words. He said, I'm just making sure that we're fighting the battle in front of us and not the one behind us. You and I need to stop looking back. Your battle's not back there. Your situation's not back there. It is present right now. You can lose present and future battles by keeping your mind and emotions in a place that God didn't call you to keep them there. Listen, Paul had the problem with this. Paul had a, a severe problem with emotional and mental Lodabar. The Bible tells us of Saul in Philippians. He pressed through this, though, when he said, Not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Come on, hold your finger up and say, but one thing I do. Isn't this a wonderful way to live? Do the one thing every day. And then do the one thing Paul's talking about. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me in heavenward in Christ Jesus. And yet we know a little bit about what he was pressing through when the scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he said, And least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Say this with me, thorn in the flesh. 
Now, the first thing I want to tell you, if you were here recently in some teaching, you know that the flesh does not necessarily mean the physical body. It can include also an, an unsubmitted you know, will. It can be uncontrolled emotions or a mind that is run amok. The flesh is not just the body. That's a big misconception. So when you hear him say, thorn in the flesh, a lot of people automatically assume he's talking about some kind of a physical issue. But the next line tells us that's not the case. He says, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan. Say that with the messenger of Satan. Literally, you could translate this angel of the devil. There's literally a demon that is coming at him repeatedly and consistently. His thorn in the flesh in the soulless realm was a messenger of Satan. I'm not saying he didn't have or couldn't even have had some physical issues from time to time. That's not the point. But the context here is he is being beat upon mentally and emotionally nonstop by a demonic influence, a spirit that's come after him. Now, the, the reality here is why would that be happening? Scripture tells us in Revelation 12, 10, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them day and night. Listen to that. The accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. How often? Day and night. Day and night. You know what the devil loves to do to you? accuse you, throw things up in your face, remind you of your humanity, tell you all the time how imperfect you are, the mistakes you made, how you'll never recover from that. That's not God talking to you. And if you think that is how God operates, you don't know him yet. It's the enemy that is doing this and nonstop accusing and coming after Paul. Why? I'll tell you why. Because Paul was in charge of people being executed because they loved Jesus Christ. Paul oversaw the arrest and beatings of people who loved Jesus Christ. Paul was responsible for those that were tortured for their faith. And now, as a Christian, he has to live with that. Now, I don't know what you're living for or living you know, with. I don't know what's happened in your life, but I would say this to you. If Paul can press through all that, you can press through yours as well. I said you can press through yours as well. I doubt you probably oversaw the execution of your brothers, but there's something in your life that's dark and, and hindering you and in your past. And right now, the devil loves to throw that up at you. Yes, I know people will too, but the, the people are not your biggest concern. It will go, it's what goes on in your head and your emotions day by day. That's where the battle is. You're still in an emotional and mental lodabar where there's a barren place. You're at the king's table spiritually because you're born again, but you're not enjoying it because of whatever has happened in your life. Do you know that when God says he forgave you, he really forgave you? There's no play on words here. There's no, there's no gimmick here. He truly loves you and he truly has forgiven you. But you and I have to believe that he is actually walking in a position of love towards us and grace and not judgment. Look at somebody and tell them, stop listening to the devil. <laughs> Scripture tells us that any man who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. It's one of the reasons why the devil wants you to keep looking back. 
keep going back to where you blew it. You know, there are all kinds of, you know, manifestations of, of Lodabar, for example. There's certain land that you and I might be living in today. Just to point this out to you, some folks live in a land of regrets. This is their emotional and their mental Lodabar. I can't believe I did this, or I can't believe I, I didn't do this. I should have done this. Why didn't I do this? Why did I do that? You live in a land of regrets. You and I are supposed to be living in a land that flows with milk and honey. You and I are supposed to be living in the presence of God. We're at the king's table, and yet emotionally and mentally, we're still back there where something fell apart on you. Maybe we're number two in the land of failures. Things didn't work out for you. Bankruptcies, lack of success, things went south on you. And that's where you dwell mentally and emotionally. Do you know that a Christian can live all their life, 20, 30, 40, 50 years for Christ, die, and never get victory over this? This is your victory day, hallelujah. I said, this is your victory day. When he declared triumph, he wanted total triumph for you. Okay, so you have regrets. Okay, so something didn't work out. There was failure. Number three, some of you live in the land of missed opportunities. You know, maybe you were too scared to get out of your comfort zone and it passed you by. Maybe you made a wrong choice in life. Do you know that God is able to redeem that situation and bring you to where you're supposed to be even if you had made the right choice? That's how powerful he is. You and I were headed to hell. Aren't you glad he interrupted us? I said, aren't you glad he interrupted you? He interrupted you and got you back on the right path. He's an expert at getting people back on his path. The land of missed opportunities. Then there's a land of broken dreams. One day you just had enough and you just stopped believing. You stopped pressing for that dream that's in your heart. And so now you live with the reality that you threw, you threw down a dream that was once yours. It's tough to do that, but it's not impossible with God to get back into the right place mentally and in terms of your emotions. Number five, the land of losses. You've lost businesses or homes or money or people to death. It's difficult. I understand that. If you lost somebody to death recently, you know everything reminds you of them. Everywhere you go, there's a piece of them. You go out to eat. That's where you used to go. You see something in your house, a piece of clothing or an article they bought for you. You see that. And listen, that's what the devil wants you to do is to stay in that land instead of living out the rest of your days. God still has a plan for your life. I said God still has a plan for your life. But if you live in Lodabar in the land or in the county or in the city of losses, you'll never move forward. And you'll lose out on what God has for you tomorrow because of the grief, the sorrow, and everything of yesterday. Amen. Then number seven, there's the, the land of hurts. Who hasn't been abused? Who hasn't been betrayed? Who hasn't been manipulated? Who hasn't had people turn on you? There's some people that can't get past that. Well, I'll never get over that. I'll never forgive that. I'll never forget that. You even confess this nonsense. Don't give confession to things that aren't biblical. Let me try that one more time so it doesn't go thud on the floor. Don't give confession to things that are unbiblical. Well, I can never do that. Oh, yes, you can, because you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt by a family member. Should, should I just switch the sermon right now and just move into a okay. Anybody here ever been hurt by a Christian? 
Ooh, those hands went up awful fast. <laughs> if you want to live in that land, you can. But that's a part of Lodabar. That's not how king's kids at his table should be thinking and responding emotionally. Then there's the land of glory days. This is where things went wonderful for you and you just never had it so good and you'll never have it good again and you're just pining for the, for the good old days. People in religion used to do this all the time. Well, I wish we could go back to the good old days. Can I tell you something? The glory days aren't behind you. They're in front of you. He said he'd pour out his spirit upon all flesh and he would fill the earth with his glory. That's not a past promise. That's a promise for you and for me. It's in front of us. This is what happens to child actors, for example. All the world loves them when they're 8, 9, 10 years old and home alone. And then that same cute kid is no longer cute. He no longer commands the attention. He no longer commands, you know, the multi-million dollar offers. And their best life, you know, was lived when they were 9, 10, 11 years old. And they struggled. Many of them never recover from it. Many of them die young because of substance abuse. What happened was they lived in a county in Lodabar called the Glory Days. There are a lot of churches aren't ready for what God has It's coming into this world because they're focused on everything in the past. Everybody keeps saying, well, what's going to be the new normal for America? What's going to be the new normal after this virus? Can I tell you something? Let's hope there's no new normal. Let's just hope there's new. Because if we add the normal to it, then we'll begin to box everything in and God will just have to jump out of that one as well. Yeah. Amen? You see, Lodabar is bigger than we think. And a lot of people live there emotionally and mentally in the land of regrets or failures, missed opportunities, broken dreams, severed relationships even, losses and hurts and the glory days. Yes, severed relationships is on that list because a lot of people have lost people you love. You've been cut off. You've been betrayed. You've been hurt. But guess what? Jesus never cut you off. I said Jesus did not cut you off. And you're living in 19-whatever. Hallelujah. Still meditating on that. Still dealing with that. And God would have you get ready for what he has in your future instead of the land you're currently living in. Come on, turn to somebody and say, lose that dead dog mentality. I was watching an athlete one time talk about this and they made a profound statement that other people have since repeated in various areas of media. But somebody said, you know, uh, you know, you, you, were, you were a great this, you are a great that. And the person with kind of a broken demeanor said, you know what? You know, I'm not a has-been. What I am is I'm a never-was. And that's a sad thing to hear, but a lot of people feel that way. Can I tell you something? It doesn't make any difference if you're a has-been or a never-was. You're about to be. That's what you are. Come on, say it. I'm an about-to-be. I'm not a has-been. I'm not a never was. I'm an about to be. Can you get that today? Can you wrap your heart around that? But you can't stay in Lodabar and be that way. Do you know the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, there's now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after what? The spirit. You and I in this room, everybody has things they wish they could change. Things they would do over. Can I see a raised hand of something you would, you would like to do over if you could do over? Okay? If your hand's not raised, then I'm just going to stop this, the sermon and get your autograph. I'm going to come down right now and just, because I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed. 
Raise your hand if you like to change something that you did or didn't do. Okay. Now, some of you need about 15 hands. I understand that, but <laughs> one or two will do. If you're not careful, you're going to squander today and tomorrow by being focused on whatever that was. 2 Corinthians 10, 17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Shout out the word new. He's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I was studying and the Lord just spoke to my heart just so simply, we don't emphasize the new in this verse enough. In fact, we just jump ahead mentally. If anybody be in Christ, he's a new creation. I'm a new species that never existed. Praise the Lord, I'm a Christian. No, he wants you today to focus on the new that he has. Well, I'm so old, there's no new for me. You're just a spring chicken compared to eternity. Your mindset needs to go beyond the limitations of how long you live physically into the realm of the eternal or you can have a perspective about your life right now. Amen. Emphasize the new. God certainly has. In Isaiah 42, 9, it says, See, perceive, discern, pick up on the former things have taken place and new things I declare. You need to start declaring them too. It says, Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Get ready because they're about to spring forth. Can I tell you something? You got no business living in low to bar emotionally and mentally because what God has, the new for you, is about to spring forth. I said, God's new for you is springing forth. Rejoice over that reality. He talks about the new. In Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you now perceive it? The reality is you and I can't be focused on what's in Lodabar and recognize the new that he has for us. I can't dwell on any of those counties mentally and emotionally, in Lodabar, and then have the new that he has for me. How many of y'all grew up in the 70s or 60s? How many of y'all remember what a playground used to look like? Metal contraptions that were 15 feet high. The monkey bars were so tall, somebody had to actually lift you up to get on them. I mean, back then and there, if a kid fell off the equipment and broke his arm, they just took him to the ER and, oh, got another one this week. Okay, they'll set it and go on. Today, it's a major lawsuit. Everything has to have bubble wrap on it. And the slide has to be a certain temperature. We used to climb on top of these things. They used to build these, these tire monstrosities, like telephone poles, and they attach the tires to them, and they paint the tires. we get on top of it and throw people off. <laughs> Nobody complained. The kid just went home and said, well, I lost today. Tomorrow I win. <laughs> but have you ever noticed with those monkey bars, you have to let go of one in order to keep going and grab the next one. And a lot of people in their mentality, emotionally, they're sitting back here on the load of bar <laughs> or in the bar. Uh, I'm preaching, many of y'all are looking at me right now. No, pastor, the bars are closed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I haven't, I haven't said a lot about this, you know. Maybe the Lord will give me liberty one day to deal with this in the, in the context of freedom and, and liberty of the, uh, the First Amendment. But the dumbest thing I've heard in this entire situation was churches aren't supposed to sing in their services, but you can sing in the bars. 
Okay, let's all sing for the glory. Amen. Okay. Let's do some karaoke. Slobbering all over each other, but that's safe. But you, my brothers and sisters, you're the problem. You're the spreader of the COVID. Do you get the idea that some of these people are just making these things up as they go? Yes. Pastor, please talk more about this. Not today. <laughs> but Lord knows I could. I'm thinking of a movie about three governors. And I want to produce the movie. Starring the one from Illinois. The one from Michigan, and the one from Kentucky. <laughs> and I'm thinking about calling it Dumb, Dumber, and Dumbest. <laughs> and my name is Art Hines, and I approve of this message. <laughs> Moving right along. Sure sounds like there's an awful lot of new in the heart of God for you. Part of our new is the new covenant, which means the power to do the new, to be the new, to have the new, and the, and the past behind you so you can focus on the future new. That's what this message is. Isaiah saw it. Can we see it today? Micah 7, 8, 18 says this, Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged to an oath to our ancestors days long ago. Can you hear the heart of God in that? Okay, but... Pastor, I did some really bad things. Well, for you, I recommend the Jesse Duplantis counseling course. Admit it, quit it, and forget it. That's the sum total of his course. Come on, say it with me. Admit it, admit it. quit it, quit. forget it. Do you know that you can't uh, quit it? Listen, if you don't admit it. And you can't what? Forget it if you don't quit it. Come on, say it with me. I'm going to admit it. Quit it and forget it. I like that. <laughs> Praise God. You and I have access as people of God. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. I'm not asking you if you're perfect. I'm not asking you if you've arrived. Won't waste that time. Raise your hand if you, in fact, are a believer. You, you know the Lord. That's the important thing here. You have an anointing, an empowerment, specifically to do the same thing that Paul did, and that is to forget. Now, part of the problem is the average Christian does not understand what this word actually means in the spiritual context it is given nor do they know how to develop this anointing in their lives. For some of you today, listen to me, this will become one of the most pivotal services you've ever been, in your, been to in your life because you will finally have the tools to do more than just say, well, I forgive them, but I can't forget. Now watch this. Your God is so powerful 
as far as the east is from the west, what does he do? He is very powerful at this. But watch this. Everybody say forget. forget. Come on, say it, forget. forget. Say it like this. I can forgive. And I can forget. Say it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I can't forget if I don't know what forget means in terms of spiritual things. Now think about God for a minute. He is omniscient, which means what? He is all-knowing, which means it is completely impossible for God to actually forget anything. Mentally, there is no way to remove that concept from his knowledge base. You and I were made in his image. Are you, are you expecting right now? Are you pulling on the teaching and anointing right now? Let me ask you, are you pulling on it right now? It's critical that you do. God cannot forget anything. It's not within his mental capacity to forget. You and I were made in his image. Unless your brain is diseased, unless there is dementia, unless you're running for president for, as a Democrat, Unless there's something wrong with your mental faculties, you too cannot remove something from the database that is your mind. That's just reality. Now, we can misplace it, you know, we can be forgetful, quote unquote. But here's the point. Whatever he's talking about here, we know he's not talking about God forgetting because that's not the case. He's not talking about the inability to ever recall something. That's not what he's talking about. Write this down and get this deep into your spirit today. What he's talking about is to progressively lose consciousness of the matter. Aren't you glad that when you got up this morning, God's first thought was not how terrible you are. God cannot forget anything, but it is not at the forefront of his consciousness. You and I can function the same way. All right, something goes bad in your, in your home, in your family, in your marriage. You know what? We can ask you until eternity, and you can say, I can still remember that. I can still remember how that felt. Telling people, training people just to forget without understanding what that means, it's impossible for a human being to forget what has already been deposited in their brain. It's there. What God can do with the anointing for forgetting is to diminish the consciousness of that thing in your mind over time. Anybody ever been stabbed in the back? Anybody ever been just rolled over for no apparent reason? 
And you were taught as a believer and rightly so to forgive them. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a decision of your will. I forgive that person for what they have done. If the pain come back again, I forgive them in Jesus' name. But to say that you're going to ever forget that is really not being honest in terms of how you were created. What can you do? The consciousness of that happening can diminish. If you don't believe that, why would any woman ever have a second child? <laughs> and I don't know what mom was thinking having four. She saved the best for last <laughs> and the biggest. <laughs> you know what she did this week? She didn't. Had a, had a blanket out on the you know, patio railing drying and scooped it up to put it in the washer. And she did. And then she took the scoop out of the washer and put it in the dryer. And when she pulled it out of the dryer, there was a frog. <laughs> it's missing one leg. I got so tickled. She calls me. She goes, are you sitting down? I said, uh-oh. <laughs> what now? And she just can't stop laughing. And I'm, I'm just instantly having these flashes of this, this, this frog. Some of y'all remember the old Saturday Night Live when there was Mr. Bill? And somebody put Mr. Bill on a turntable, and he went, woo, woo, woo. I kept thinking about this frog going, let me out, 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 out. I hope he was dead before he went in the dryer. That's all I got to say. You don't know, huh? <laughs> She's a character. Some of you will think, are all these stories really true? The funny thing is she wasn't even on medication this time. <laughs> no. I hope, the other, I hope the other little frogs lose consciousness of this. They see you coming out the door, they go, ribbit. <laughs> you cannot technically forget things that have happened. But they don't have to be at the forefront of your consciousness. Triumph over your past is about you realizing that, then using the word of God, using the things of God, appropriate them to make you stronger in this area. That's how you can function. That's how you can actually deal with things that are hurtful. That's how you can get out of Lodabar emotionally and mentally and stay out of Lodabar mentally and emotionally. How do you triumph over the past? The secret's found in a scripture in 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast your cares upon the Lord for what? He cares for you. Say, He cares for me. And what this means is when the care comes, there's a consciousness of the care or the past or the issue or the failure or the hurt or the regret. You cast it off as fast as you can. You cast it on the Lord. You take it and you throw it upon him. There's a discipline here that's required. Somebody just wants God to blank their memory or take it away. That's not how this works at all. And it's also not about repression or denial. That's not what this is about. You fully know what happened to you. 
You're fully aware of what happened to you, but you live without that bearing down consciousness, the first thing you think about and the last thing you think about in any given day. I know people in this room that have had terrible things have happened to them, and there's some of the healthiest people I know mentally and emotionally. How is that possible? Then there are people in the body of Christ seemingly have a little hangnail, and they can't handle it. Why? They've not learned the secret of forgetting in a spiritual sense, letting the consciousness of that situation diminish over time. How do you do that? You do it specifically with the discipline that will cause that anointing to come upon you, a quality decision in, in three very specific areas. And if you've been in this church any length of time, you've had some teaching on this, but I want you to get it in this context. Say it with me. I can forgive and I can lose consciousness of what I've been through. Say it again. I can forgive and I also can diminish the consciousness of what's happened to me. Anybody here ever been through some things? Yeah. Number one is don't touch it with your thought life. Whatever you think about the most is going to inform and strengthen and feed your consciousness. If every day you get up thinking about what they said to you, guess what's going to be at the forefront of your consciousness? Now, you are not going to forget what they said, but you can diminish its effect on your life. Are you here today? You don't touch it. That knife in your back, that betrayal, don't touch it. Nobody can do this but you. Nobody can refuse to touch that thing with their thought life. Say, no, I'm not thinking about this in Jesus' name. I've rolled the care of that over on the Lord. Say it with me. I've rolled the care. Come on, take your hand right now and do it. I've rolled the care of that over on the Lord. And that means I'm not going to touch it with my thought life. And as soon as it tries to come back, I'm going to roll it back on him. And what I'm going to do is develop a consciousness of other things like peace and victory and joy in the Holy Ghost. What God said over me. I'm not going to touch it with my thought life. This second point will fly in the face of everything you've ever heard in your psychology classes and through most counseling endeavors. Number two, don't touch it with your mouth. Well, you know what you need to do is you just need to come in here and let's, let's talk about it. Let's vent. You know what venting is? It's called Christian sin. That's what it is. You know that a counselor can keep you venting for the rest of your life. What you need to do is lose the consciousness of that by keeping your mouth shut about it. Don't tell everybody what happened. Don't rehearse it with your mouth. Don't keep complaining about it. Don't keep throwing it up. If you want to lose consciousness of what happened to you in today's world and in the future, you've got to stop talking about it. Now, a Christian counselor knows the power of God's word will definitely let you deal with that issue and help you with it, but they're not going to make you keep talking about it until doomsday. That is a big misnomer, and I have seen marriages destroyed. I have seen ministries destroyed because the counsel to that person was to talk, talk, talk. As a matter of fact, not only should you talk, bring all these other people in to talk, talk, talk about it too. 
Now everybody has what? Growing consciousness of what happened. I notice what I said here. I'm not saying something didn't happen. That's irrelevant. I'm saying if you want to lose consciousness of what happened, you've got to stop talking about it. It's getting awful quiet here in this Presbyterian Frigidaire church. Amen. Come on, say it. Say it with me. Stop talking about it. Well, I feel better when I talk about it. If you realize that all you did was empower the rest of your week to put that at the forefront of your consciousness, you wouldn't say you feel better talking about it. Because come the middle of the week, you're not going to feel good about it at all. As long as you're on this planet, hurts are going to come, they're going to go, regrets are going to come and go, failures are going to come and go, but they don't have to be running your life. Say it with me. I'll roll it over on the Lord. I don't touch it with my thoughts. I don't touch it with my mouth. And number three, I don't touch it with my actions. Every once in a while we get inspired thinking we can fix something and all we do is make it worse. If I roll it over on the Lord, then it's not mine to deal with. If I roll it over on the Lord, it's up to him to take care of that. Do you know that he can fix things that you can't? But in the scheme of things, I'm not denying what happened to you, and I'm not saying that somehow there's not a long-term fix and deliverance. What I'm talking about is your daily life where you live with a consciousness of what happened to you, what they said, what they did, what you did, instead of living in the peace that passes all understanding, keeping your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This one thing I do, forgetting what? There's a reason that word is rendered forgetting. You and I would understand this as an ongoing participle where I keep on forgetting and I keep on pressing. I am losing my consciousness of what I did. Are you here, church? And I'm gaining a consciousness of what I'm going to get. That prize. Losing the consciousness of what you did or they did and gaining a consciousness of where you are headed. Now listen to me. This will work no matter what land you're living in. If you're in the land of regrets, failures, missed opportunities, broken dreams, severed relationships, losses, hurts, or even the glory days, guess what? It'll work for you. Don't touch it with your thoughts. Don't touch it with your mouth. Don't touch it with your actions. And over time, what will happen is the consciousness of that thing is going to diminish. And one day you'll wake up and instead of all those defeating things controlling you, joy is going to be there. You're going to be thinking the thoughts of God. You're going to be able to focus on what you're supposed to do. A lot of energy, wasted energy is lost by Christians on this very matter. You got to let it go. Hallelujah. Don't make me break out in the Frozen theme song. None of us would ever forget that. But it's good counsel. Do what? Let it go. You know what happens if we don't? Subconsciously, that load of bar will try to move back in in your life. A child of God, he brought you out of load of bar. Say, I went out and I came into the king's table. 
Why in the world not bring all of us in? Mentally and emotionally. Hallelujah. I'll do it with me. Say, I roll the care of that over on the Lord. I refuse to touch it with my thoughts, with my mouth, or with my action. Glory to God. Did you mean that today? You keep on rehearsing the hurt, talking about the hurt, acting in the direction of the hurt. It's like picking a scab. It's never going to heal. Listen to me. Thinking, thinking, thinking about a hurt, a betrayal, a loss, thinking, think that does not bring healing. Talking about it incessantly does not bring healing. Acting on it does not bring healing. What does is the one who you rolled the care on. That's how the healing comes. Praise God. So this is a new day for you. I said this is a new day for you. I said this is a new day for you. I want you to stand to your feet and shout it out. This is a new day for me. Come on, new day. New day for who? For me, triumphing over the past. Glory to God. 